On today's podcast, we're going to discuss the topic of mediocrity. And uh, really, we're wanting to rise above the standard of mediocrity. And we know that mediocrity is highly accepted within a culture here in this country, and not only in this country, but we also see uh, that mediocrity has become the standard of the church today. In fact, it's very well accepted. In fact, it's approved of and expected that mediocrity will just be what defines uh, Christianity in this day and time. But the reality is, guys, um, we've got to be gritty men of God, and that we've got to be living God's way, and we've got to be living for God's glory. That is the main purpose and calling of every Christian man, and that is to, to give glory, to live a life that honors and gives glory to God. And so the question would be today, does mediocrity bring glory to God? And the answer to that, obviously, is no. Um, it does not, because we've been saved for a greater purpose, greater calling, and um, we have a much uh, higher standard uh, of how we live our lives as Christian men. And so um, let's get into this today, um, and hopefully this will be a great benefit to you guys. I've just been thinking a lot about mediocrity lately. Um, I fight some mediocrity in areas of my life. Um, and I'm constantly having to work at those things. And I know that if you're listening to this podcast, every single one of you has areas of life where mediocrity is uh, doing all it can do to, to infiltrate and to take over. And I've really seen an incredible increase in mediocrity, especially in the last few years. It has been absolutely astounding to me, um, even with what I see as the church um, and to be honest with you, the church has not fully even yet, I would say, truly recovered. And I don't know if it ever will in that manner. It's just something is just not back to what it once was. And what has changed, obviously, God hasn't changed. What has changed is people have changed. And um, so let's just look at this together. The word mediocrity is actually made up of two words. Uh, two Latin words. The first one is medi, and it simply means average or middle. And the second word is ochris, and that is the meaning of a rugged mountain. So you can get this picture in your mind. All right, you have this, this mountain, if you will. And it would be as if someone begins to ascend the mountain and they settle for only making it halfway. They, meet the, they reach the middle point of the mountain and they just say, you know, that's good enough. They have no desire to reach the summit. They're very content with average. Uh, they're good because the vast majority of people um, who are ascending are going to stop at average. That's the norm of our culture and time. The reality is, guys, you don't have to strive for mediocrity in life because it comes natural to to man. It, it is part of the fallen nature. It is striving for mediocrity is not something we do with effort. It just naturally is a part of who we are. But in order for us to rise to the calling that we have received and we have received in our salvation, we have to fight against the nature of mediocrity in our life because we've been called to something far greater than that. Now, here's how you can spot people with a mediocre mindset. And I'm going to talk a lot about uh, the mindset of, of, of mediocrity. And then we're going to learn how we get out of that mindset. Um, but basically, we're seeing this in every aspect of our culture. And here's, here's a few things that you can see and you can spot, okay? Um, number one, mediocre pe people with mediocrity on the mind or having a mediocre mindset, <clears throat> they put half effort in everything that they do. In other words, they're not going to give it all they have. They're just going to just give it kind of a half, a halfway effort. And their, their mindset is that way. Just, just, just get by, if you will. They have low expectations. Low expectations. They set low standards for themselves. And they have low standards for those around them. People with a mediocre mindset prefer ease and comfort to difficulty and discipline. Um, they want reward for doing less than expected. Now, that has become something that is so prevalent within our culture today. 
People want more for doing less. And our government's doing a great job in training people to do less and receive payment for doing nothing. Um, you're being trained that way. Not only that, we're going to learn more as we talk about this. Um, they, they hate giving more than what is expected. In other words, they'll go to a point, but if anything else is required of them more than what's written on paper, and you know, if you have any employees, you know what I'm talking about. Um, if it's not written down and then, you know, every single aspect, I mean, they're not going to go over and above that because what you're going to hear is, well, that's not my job. It's not written on my job description. You're not going to do any more than expected of them. Another um, mindset that you'll find with people who are living in mediocrity is they measure themselves against the mediocre crowd, but they never measure themselves against the standard of greatness or excellence. So you can be at a high level of mediocrity when you compare yourself with a group of mediocre-minded individuals and those whose lives are defined by mediocrity. You could actually have yourself at kind of the top of the mediocre list, but that doesn't mean you're anywhere near living with greatness in mentality or striving for excellence. That's, that's miles apart. You're still in the middle of the mountain. You haven't even come close to the summit. And so what's wrong with being mediocre as a Christian man? The reality is pretty much everything is wrong with mediocrity. Um, mediocrity, guys, has nothing to do with one's ability. It has nothing to do with one's intelligence or with one's opportunity. Today you hear so much about, oh, my word, so-and-so, they just have more opportunity than I have. Or so-and-so, you know, they, they have more ability or they have more intelligence. Or we have all the excuses of why someone can live to a higher standard of excellence than we do if we have a mindset of mediocrity. The reality is the person who has a mediocre mindset is a person who lacks discipline, who lacks desire, and who lacks devotion in reality to Christ. And let me show you why I say that. That sounds kind of harsh. I realize that. But for us to begin to understand why we as men of God cannot live with a standard of mediocrity defining who we are is because of who we serve and in whom we are in union with, and what it means to be a child of God and to be redeemed of the Lord. This is so very, very important. The reason for this is because when speaking about Christianity and Christian men in general, when I ask this question, what is your life's greatest purpose? Now, I want you to think about that for just a moment. If you were to write down on a sheet of paper right now, John, I'm asking you the question, uh, what is your greatest purpose in life? What is it? As a Christian man now, okay? You might write down a whole lot of things. But let me tell you what our greatest purpose is. Our greatest purpose, when you, when you wash it all down, is to bring glory to God. That is our number one purpose. We are redeemed of the Lord. And we, in our life, how we live, who we live for, we are to bring ultimate glory and worship to God. That is the defining statement of my life. My life and your life is to bring glory to God. So when you ask the question, what's wrong with being mediocre? Well, the answer to that is, is that my life and my purpose is to not be mediocre, but it is to bring ultimate glory to God. And by living a life of mediocrity, I'm not bringing the glory that God is worthy of receiving through the way in which that I live my life as a man who calls himself a follower of Christ Jesus, one of the redeemed of the Lord. That's one major reason for that. When we work hard and we have integrity, when we do things with excellence, guys, we do benefit from these things because it doesn't take much to stand out today. I've raised my kids this way and have told them and taught them, listen, if you will work hard 
if you will have integrity, if you will do what you say that you will do, show up on time, and I mean by that, be early, and do more than is expected of you, you will raise so quickly to the top because so few people are willing to live and to give that much effort in order to do simply their job. And so I've trained my kids that way. You do more than is expected of you. You give it your best effort. You do it with excellence. You show up early. You do what you say you're going to do. Guys, that's just integrity. That's all that that is. And if we, we will benefit from that. But I want you to think at a much more spectacular level of just what we benefit from. Because listen, my life is not about me. Your life is not about you. Before you came to Christ, your life, that's all it was about, was you. But when you come to Christ and your eyes have been opened to truth and you have Christ revealed to you and now you understand the true purpose and meaning of life and that my life is hidden in Christ and I've been bought with a price. It's no longer my own that I am living my life now for one main goal and one main purpose and that is to bring glory to God, the God who redeemed me through his incredible gift of love, act of mercy, and sacrifice through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, so whether you eat or drink, in other words, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do, think about this now. This is the verse I want you to think about throughout this week. Write it down, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's what Paul tells the men in Corinth. Whatever it is you do, everything from what you drink, what you eat, what you do. In other words, the encapsulation of your life, men, is to bring glory. Do it all for the glory of God. Here's another example of this. When you're in good physical condition, for example, when you exercise and take care of your physical body as well, um, and you do that through training and through discipline, you do benefit for this. But also, we, through doing this, bring glory to God. We bring glory to God. You say, well, John, how does that happen? Because it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul writing to the men of Corinth here, in verse 6, 19 through 20, it says, Or do you not know that your body, yes, even our body, is a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? At regeneration, we receive the Holy Spirit of God, and the Holy Spirit of God lives and dwells within us. And now the body that we once used for, for living for the world and, and, and gratifying the desires of our flesh and all that stuff, now we live what? In a different way. This body now I recognize as being a temple of God. So what? When I take care of the temple of God, which is my body, in other words, I realize that, you know what, my health matters, that my, that my discipline in how I take care of myself physically will ultimately have an impact on my life. But not only that, what I do for the kingdom of God and how I do it for the kingdom and glory of God. Paul says all of these things here, that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, Within you, whom you have from God, you are not your own, Paul says, for you were bought with a price. Here's the key word. So glorify God in your body. Now, I realize that there are men who worship themselves and they have self-worship. So what do they do? It's all about their physical appearance. Yes, you can abuse this. That's not, what, that's not what excellence and living for the glory of God is about. We are not living our lives for our glory. So if the only reason that I go to the gym in, and, and do all that I do is in order that it brings glory to me, it's for the wrong reason. It's the wrong motive. That's not why I try to keep myself in good physical condition and why I exercise and why I work out and why I eat healthy. The reason I do that is because it impacts my body and my body is needed to glorify and honor God in what I do and in longevity and in the way in which I'm able to do it. So there's a connection there, even with my own 
physical body, there's, there's, there's an important aspect of that. Here is your primary objective as a Christian man. Now, listen, we, this goes into every area of our life. Now, you say, well, John, you stop with the body. What about marriage? Oh, man, we can go to Ephesians chapter 5. We can talk in great detail about the incredible nature of our marriage being a physical illustration of the spiritual reality of being in Christ and the whole union and the whole marriage and the the man's role Christ's role the bride's role the wife's role we can see all of these incredible things so our marriages are to do what too our marriage is not just solely for us as men or women our marriage is to glorify God and to what to show this incredible gift of what it means to be united with Christ. This is in every aspect of our life. So here's the primary objective for every Christian man. This is what our objective is. When I wake up in the morning, this is the objective for the day. Okay? Write this down. Lord, how can I bring you glory through my life today? That is my entire objective. And so everything that is going to take place in the day that I've been given, the objective of my life is not from a worldly sense. In other words, it's not about how much money I can make today. It, it's, it's not about how much overtime that I can work today. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. Ultimately, my life today is about how I can bring glory to the God who redeemed me, who saved me, who has given me life, everlasting life. That is your objective. So if in your mind you think about it this way, you can't live a mediocre life when you wake up and your entire objective for the day is to answer this question by how I live, how can I bring God the most glory through what I do today? That nips everything in the bud right there. That knocks out every level of mediocrity that doesn't exist. And so in my work, God, how can I bring you the most glory in my work today? In my marriage today, God, how in my marriage, by the way that I love my wife, by the way that I live my life as an example before her, um, by the way that I demonstrate my love through patience, through kindness, through long-suffering, through forgiveness, um, through, 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 through um, enduring, through all the aspects. God, how can I bring you the most glory through the way that I love my wife in marriage? In my relationships with my children, Lord, how as a father can I bring you the most glory in relation to how I am as a parent or a father to my children. Another one, in my hobbies. A lot of guys don't think about this. I mean, God has given us so much for our enjoyment. But even in our enjoyment, our enjoyment brings glory to God. For example, I'm going to be going elk hunting here soon. We got um, archery elk seasons getting ready to open up and start. In fact, I'm going to be going with a buddy of mine and we're heading out to Colorado and we're going to try to kill a few bull elk out there. And so I'm looking forward to going and spending some time in Colorado and, and trying to harvest uh, one of these incredible animals. But ultimately, I want to bring glory to God. And being there is an incredible experience. Um, I don't want to separate my hobby from bringing glory to God. How am I going to bring God ultimate glory through all of that? Um, being in his creation, appreciating what he's created, um, not taking it for granted, um, just being in God's presence, being in nature, um, just enjoying the whole aspect of it all, being in awe of who God is while I'm there, um, listening and watching creation bring glory to God as it just um, fulfills its purpose. It's absolutely incredible. Another one, in my relationships with other people, and this is another big one. How ultimately am I going to bring glory to God in the way that I live my life today as I interact with other people? God, how can I bring you the most glory? And Lord, help me in all that I do today bring you glory. That's the whole mindset. How can I bring you glory? Be careful in measuring yourself by the standard 
of other professing Christians. Here's the reason for that, guys. Because there is so much mediocrity in the Christian church today. It's just absolutely um, everywhere. It's overwhelming in, in the Christian church. And it's overwhelming in our culture and in the society in which we live in. So don't measure yourself by the standards of other professing men. Not all of them. But there are some men that you do want to, what, you do want to follow and, and, and to try to aspire to, to live a life in a way of excellence in which you see them demonstrate in their own life. Now, the opposite of mediocrity is excellence, greatness, and exceptionalness. Those are just three of many words that are um, the opposite of what mediocrity means. And we want to be men that live lives with excellence, with greatness, and to be exceptional in what we do. Because there's someone who we represent. I'm representing my God. Um, I'm an ambassador for Christ. Um, I, I've been given a task to reconcile the world to God through Christ in my life. I mean, there's... There, there's a great, great purpose for what we've been saved for. I want to encourage you to look for Christian men who exhibit excellence, greatness, and exceptionalism in their lives as husbands, as fathers, as businessmen. I'm not talking about some greedy, money, whoremongering individual that's all about making money. That's not what I'm talking about. Just because somebody can make money does not mean that they're living their life for the glory of God. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a man that has high level of integrity and character, a man who works hard, who is honest, who treats his employees correctly and rightly, who does what he says he's going to do, who treats those who he works for with integrity. There's a lot to that. Don't just look up to some money buddy because he's got a big house and he's got a whole bunch of toys. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about men with moral excellence, guys that have great integrity and they do things exceptionally. They, they aren't cutting corners. They're doing things that they do for one reason that they represent the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and by doing things with greatness, they are what? They are bringing glory to God. That's the kind of men that you want to look for. They, they, they display these things in their life. So number one, look for these kind of Christian men. Now, you can find great attributes of men on the Internet who have some very good things to say, but they don't fall into this category because you can't be this man unless you know Christ. It's impossible. For example, there's some men out there that I listen to and I can gain some great insight from who are not Christian men, but their whole mentality is different. It's a worldly mentality. Like, I'm going to be the toughest man on the planet. Okay, that's great. I think we should do hard things, difficult things, get out of mediocrity. I mean, we ought, to, we ought to be striving for doing difficult things, overcoming weakness in our life, becoming better men. Okay, those are all great things. But here's another thing. To be this kind of man, you've got to be a man of high integrity. You have to be a man who loves his wife like Christ loves the church, who sacrifices his life for his wife. Not a man who shacks up with other women, who's living with this woman. She leaves. He gets another chick and she leaves. Oh, he might have some great things to teach you about how you can get tough or how you can, you can overcome some of this. But dude, if you can't even live with integrity with one man one woman in 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 the in a monogamous married relationship before God you can't even talk to me about the level of what it means to get out of mediocrity i can't even go there how about fatherhood here's another huge thing how are you raising your kids i mean are you just a dad that has kids and you're busy with your career and your kids are just doing life no are you their dad? Or are you simply, a, are you a father? Are you a dad? What are you? Are you, are you absent? Are you, are, no, I'm talking about a man that, that greatness, excellence, and exceptionalism, it, it incorporates every element of his life. 
every single element. These are the kind of men you want to look for, and they're out there. These are the kind of guys that will change your life in relation to mediocrity, okay? Here's the second thing you have to stop doing. We did one thing. I want you to start looking for these men. Number two, stop surrounding yourself with men who have a mediocre mindset and surround yourself with men who are by great effort and with all diligence, men who are chasing the summit life. Like the Apostle Paul, he was chasing the summit life. He was, he was straining to the end. His one focus, his one aim, his one goal was what? To bring glory and honor to the God that redeemed him. That's the life of the Apostle Paul. And everything else, everything else in his life was impacted and affected by that one singular purpose in life. Everything. That's why Paul did what he did with excellence. That's why he was driven. That's why he endured hard, difficult things. Why? Because the immediate thing was not his goal. His goal, his passion, his purpose was to bring glory to God. Period. Now you're looking for men whose lives are not driven by money, by greed, by fame, or worldly trinkets. That is a modern-day worldly man. Buckles, bunnies, bucks. That's the mindset. That's how men measure their masculinity and their greatness. As Christian men, our standard is not the greatness of the standard within our world. Our standard is Jesus Christ. He is the standard. He's the one in which we aspire to what? Follow, to learn from, to what? We are a disciple of his. We follow Christ. We implement Christ's likeness in our life. And God is what? He is trying to grow us into the image and likeness of Christ. Through all of these things, he's the standard. And so be careful in getting caught up into all of the, the worldliness of what we look at as excellence. No, we're talking about godly godly excellence and 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 godly good and greatness and and doing things um exceedingly well but we're doing them with a different motive the world does things with a self-centered motive it's about self what we're doing is a christ-centered motive that's what drives us to do things with excellence to do things with exceptionalism and to do things with greatness it is the mindset and the reality of truth that we are doing it with a Christ-driven mindset. That's what, we're, that's what we're driven by, our purpose to bring glory to God. Now, look for men who greatly require you to raise the standard of your life or the standards of your life. These men are going to make you uncomfortable at first because when you've hung around mediocrity enough, and let me tell you something, after pastoring churches for 20 years, I'm almost speechless. There are some, thank God, within his church that do what they do for the right motive, the right heart, and the right purpose. They actually do things with greatness. But the average person who attends and is part of the local body there is more flippancy and just half-heartedness and so undedicated in what they do, and, and they don't show up, they don't put out, there's no effort done, it's just done laissez-faire. That is a description of what most Western churchianity is, and frankly, it makes me absolutely sick to my stomach. It is grotesque. It is, it, it is so irritating to me, but it's the average. It's the norm, and it is one of the greatest threats to the church, mediocrity mindset, and it is accepted. Let me show you an example of what I mean. This is how accepted mediocrity is in the church today, and I find this fascinating, and I've even made this error before. So someone, a young man, comes to faith in Christ. He is regenerated. He is filled with the Spirit of God, and he, he, he has been changed, made a new creation. 
And then you'll notice this young man, and he is like hungry for God's word. I mean, he's striving after God. I mean, he, 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 he loves God. He, he's striving to live a life that would honor and glorify God. And he's like, man, I just want to read the word. I want to study the word. He's asking questions all the time like, well, I, I read this. I'm not for sure what this means. And so you're discussing all these things. He's hungry for discipleship. I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to push him to do anything. He just he, he wants it. So, so you know what the average church person would say about that man? I'll tell you what they would say. Well, that guy must be called to be a preacher. I mean, that's, that's so far a norm. That's out of the norm. No, that should be the norm. But see, we, we see that, and it makes people uncomfortable. Well, what, what in the world is that guy getting so excited about Jesus for? I mean, good grief, dude. Settle down. Why would you be so passionate about Christ? I mean, literally, like, you talk about him all the time. What's up with you, dude? Settle down, man. No. See, someone like that makes the average Christian uncomfortable because the average Christian has very little passion for Jesus, very little passion for living a godly life, very little desire to read the word, very little desire to know God. It's just, eh, laissez-faire. Eh, you know, I get my ribbon. I get my, my participation reward. Let me tell you something here, too. This is so important that you get this. It is true that every one of us in Christ is going to receive a crown of righteousness. But the righteous crown that we're going to receive is not something you merited, by the way. You're going to get a crown of righteousness based on the righteousness of the righteous one who redeemed you, who is Christ. In fact, when you're before the throne of God, you're going to pull that crown off and you're going to toss that crown at the worthy one's feet. Who's worthy? Jesus. But let me say this. The average Christian just looks at that and says, eh, I get my pink ribbon. I'm a participant in the new life in Christ. I have everlasting life. I've got my ribbon. I'm good. I'm in. It's over with and done. No, 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 no. That's not what Paul talks about. See, the Bible is clear that there's going to be rewards in heaven. Rewards. See, God's not like our culture. Our culture says this, hey, stop with the podium business. Stop with it. It makes kids feel less than if they don't win the 50-yard dash. It, it makes them feel less than if, you know what, they couldn't jump far enough in the long jump. Or, or you know what, uh, they, 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 let's just give everybody a trophy because we don't want to make somebody feel like they're less than the other because, you know what, we don't want to hurt Johnny's feelings, so to speak. No, 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 listen. Not everyone's going to have the same rewards in heaven because that's not how God does things. God rewards faithfulness. He's a rewarder. And see, this is what's incredible. One of the things that Paul was striving for was to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of him. Paul also was straining to the finish line. He was doing what he was doing because he knew and understand there's rewards that are going to come. That's why Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Why would he say that? Because we are going to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Do you know that we're going to rule and reign with Christ? And this is what I hear from people. And man, it irritates me to no end. I hear people say, well, you know what? I don't really care where I serve in the kingdom as long as I'm there. See, that is a mediocre-minded individual. God says, you know what? I'm giving you life, and I'm giving you a lifetime of being in Christ. And now what? You can take what I've given you, which we're going to read about. He's given us all things in Christ. And now you can put this to work. You can work out what God is working in you. You actually can do work with greatness, excellence for the kingdom of God. And God is going to reward you one day. And I've asked him, well, you know, I'll be just grateful to be sweeping the streets of gold. Uh, by the way, in the New Jerusalem, I don't know where they get all these things from Scripture. But anyway, 
I'll be a street sweeper. Well, that's okay. If that's what you want to be, that's mediocrity. I'm going to try to do what? I, I know there's going to be rewards in heaven. And you might say, well, John, that's self-centered in and of itself. No, it's not. It's God rewarding us for faithfulness here on earth that we understand we're bringing him glory. And by bringing God glory, we also benefit from that. And so this whole standard and mindset of mediocrity. Here's an example. Okay. Now, I know all of you out there, you do so many different things with occupations, right? Some of you are doing things you love. Some of you are doing things you're just basically enduring whatever. We've all had to do those different things. But let's say now you've worked a job for 20 years. Let's just say this. You have framed houses for 20 years, okay? That's hard work. That's hot work. That's cold work. That's just work is what it is. And let's say for 20 years you have framed houses. Every day you get out there and you frame houses. And you got a young guy that comes up to you and he says, hey, I would like to learn how to frame a house. And you look at him and you say, well, you're going to have to learn from somebody else because I don't know how to frame a house. Uh, sir, excuse me, uh, you've been framing a houses for 20 years, but you can't even show me how to set up a wall. Would you not say there's something weird about that? Here's the thing. Mediocrity in the church. No standard. There have been men who have, who have known the Lord for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And a young man comes to faith in Christ. And he comes to one of them and says, hey, can you, can you teach me what this means? And the 40-year veteran Christian looks at him and says, Son, you're going to go have to talk to your preacher because I don't have a clue what that means. See, that is mediocrity. How in the world can we be a man who has known Christ and had his word and his Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, living in us for 40 years, and we can't even teach the basics of God's word. You say, well, something's wrong with that. It is very wrong with that. That's not how it's supposed to be. To be. That's mediocrity. And sadly, it's hard to find that kind of man of excellence, a man who has lived his life learning and growing and walking in Christ, who not only can or will teach someone who is new in Christ. It's hard, man. And uh, it's, it's not easy. It's not the way it should be. But that's become the standard in the church. So look for men who require you to raise the standards of your life. These men are going to make you uncomfortable at first. And they will. And it's okay. But the reason they make you uncomfortable is because that's not how you've been living. And here's the other reason. These men won't lower their bar just to make you feel good about yourself. See, we've so lowered the bars in churches anymore that there is no standard. There's no standard. Very little accountability. All of these things. You always lower it, 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 clear down. No, it's not the way it should be. There are standards. And so these men are going to challenge you. You're going to have to raise your bar in order to be with these men. It's just the way it is. Um, and it's not because they're not going to have you around. It's that you're just not going to want to be around them because they're going to challenge you. They're going to hold you accountable. They're going to make you uncomfortable by the way they live their life. But your life will be changed by these men. This is where the mediocre men and the summit men are sifted. They're sifted here. It's kind of like what I've list. I love to listen to um, podcasts, especially about men who've gone through buds, um, you know, or or they're the Rangers or whatever they are in the military, and they've gone through a selection process, and that um, they start out with a large number in the class, and evidently these guys all wanted to do this or they wouldn't be there, 
But by the time the class goes, they might have 200 people start out in the class and they're down below 20 men or maybe 50 men or 30 men by the time the class ends. It sifts these guys out and these guys are ringing the bell like crazy. Well, because these men are, are living their life by a different standard. And, and their, their bar is, is, is higher. And, and, they, and what they say, I don't know this because I've never been in special forces, is that when you're around those men and you want to be one of those men, in fact, they're so professional at what they do and they're so good at what they do that when you're around them, they aspire you and, I mean, inspire you to aspire to be great when you're around them. And they're so professional in what they do. They're not, they're not, they're not mediocre, man. They're summit men. And when you're around summit men, man, they inspire you to aspire to be that kind of guy. And everyone that I've ever listened to that says, man, when I'm around, when I, when I first got in there and I started being around these guys, it was like, it was the most incredible experience of their life because those men were making these men greater and better men. Stop hanging around average. Stop hanging around men who have mediocre mindsets and start looking and seeking out for yourself these, these men that aspire for the glory of God to do things with greatness, to do things with excellence and to do things in a manner that are worthy of the God who redeemed them. So mediocrity is acceptable for most men. Um, our culture is fine with it. In fact, it promotes it. It likes it. Um, somehow today, if you're even pursuing the summit, you're like, that dude is a freak of nature. No, you're not a freak of nature. Um, you're just someone who desires something more than average. Um, mediocre men want to lower your bar so that they can feel great themselves. Men who are living for the glory of God cannot lower their bar because their standard of measurement is found in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the standard and the bar by which we are which we are we are pursuing God will not lower the bar of his standard to accommodate man isn't that the truth God didn't say you know what listen I realize that the gospel it's kind of hard to accept so go ahead and go through Mohammed you can go through um, you know uh, Buddhism and Hinduism and all these other gods if you want to serve that worship that tree that that'll get you me here if you want to worship that animal that'll get me if you just want to set up a rock on your fireplace and worship that by all means hey that's all good man I realize it you know this Jesus thing and me coming God coming taken upon flesh God the son coming and giving his life living a perfect life the virgin born man you know all of these incredible I mean I realize it's hard, so let's go ahead and drop the standard. Pretty much anybody you're in, all roads lead to me. No big deal. Did God do that? No, he has a standard. And his standard is perfect holiness, righteousness, and perfection. He's never lowered his standard. And he did not lower that standard in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ perfectly, without flaw, he lived a man's life with perfection before God. The standard never changed. Jesus Christ did that in order that we could be redeemed. God never changed his standard. Now, our culture is excelling in mediocrity. That is a reality. We see it everywhere. Mediocrity is now rewarded. Did you know they, they reward mediocrity today? In fact, everyone gets a ribbon. No, it's okay to learn that everyone doesn't get a ribbon. That's okay because we don't all have the strengths and, 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 and gifts and abilities the same. So, no, it's okay that not everyone gets a ribbon. The ones who get the blue ribbon are the ones who are worthy of the blue ribbon. And it's not because uh, of their skin color, and it's not because uh, of their privilege in life, and it's no, it's because they're better at what they do. 
And oftentimes it's not only ability, but it's effort and work and discipline and all of those things. That's a reality. Our government, though, it enjoys giving money, providing insurance, giving free college, providing all kinds of perks to those who won't even work. I mean, that's pretty crazy. The Bible tells me you don't work, you don't eat. But our government says, no, we like it when you don't work. That way you become dependent on us. In other words, we love people who lower the bar. We love mediocrity. That's what our government likes. Why? Because mediocrity makes you dependent on something else. In fact, to a, in a sense, those who do the right thing are, are, are punished to a degree or in a way we're impacted, impacted negatively. Those who work hard are taxed. <laughs> so we pay for those who don't work, right? Uh, we not only are taxed, but we don't receive benefits. We're not getting the benefits of the government. That's a reality. Did you know that if you're a hardworking American and you make a good salary, that your son or your daughter, when they apply for college, did you know they can't even receive scholarships as far as government aid because they don't, uh, they don't, they don't, because you make too much money? So you work hard. You do due diligence. You're living your life. You're, you're doing what you're doing with excellence. You're compensated for the excellence. And the government looks at your child and says, no, I think I'm going to give that one over there. Um, yeah, that one can have a full ride because, you know, hardship, difficulty, whatever it might be. Uh, parents didn't work or whatever the situation can be. Oh, never been to college before. You get to go for free. So your child, yeah, they can get scholarships through other things. But I'm talking about governmental aid. They aren't getting it, man. They aren't getting it. It's absolutely mind-blowing to me, but that's how it works. Um, so companies now, this is another fascinating thing. You guys know this. Companies now hire based on quotas. <laughs> In other words, we've got to have so many of this group and that group and this one and that one and this one, and it's got nothing to do whether or not you are actually qualified. It has to do with quotas. So we're not hiring based on someone's ability to perform and do the job that we need done. And I can give you stories of this, but we're not taking time to do it. What we're doing now is we're hiring based on quotas because this is the standard of our society. How does that work? It doesn't work. It's ridiculous. You should reward those who through effort, due diligence, excellence, and working for greatness should be rewarded for what they do. It's the way it should work. Well, it's no surprise, guys, that mediocrity is very, very prevalent in a church today. Um, if you're, if you're um, a Christian man here today, I hope that this will really encourage you to live differently. If you're struggling with mediocrity in your life, if you focus on this, that my life is to bring glory to God, and God, how can I this day bring you the most glory by what I do, how I live, what I say, how can I do this? And God will help you with this, but that's our goal, to bring glory to God. In Revelation chapter 3, 14 through 17, we have this incredible revelation of Christ that is given now to these seven churches and delivered. And to one church, the last church, the, La the church of Laodicea, um, we're going to see what mediocrity looks like. Now, there's several other churches that have incredible issues and problems. And it's very apparent that every one of those churches is alive and well today. Um, what I mean by that is the attributes of those churches is found in every church. Um, the only two churches that there was no condemnation by Christ, who is the head of the church for these churches, were two churches. One was a persecuted church, a church going through great persecution. And, and, and I don't mean just, just, just because you, you didn't wear masks at COVID. I'm not talking about that kind of persecution. I'm talking about real valid persecution. For who? Not because of a mask, but because of Christ. And then, and then um, we have another church, which is the poor church. This is, a, this is a church that is totally reliant on Christ. Poor. Well, you have a tolerant church. You have a lifeless church. Uh, you have a dead church. You have a compromising church. And then this last one, Laodicea, you have a lukewarm church. This is truly a description of what I see with the Western church. This is it, period, point blank. 
to the angel of the church of Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation, which is Christ. I know your works. In other words, I know what you're doing. I know the effort. The works are those things that we're not saved by, but we're saved to. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. In other words, you're just lukewarm, man. You're just mediocre. Would that you either be cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, because you're mediocre, and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I'm rich. I have prospered. I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see those whom I love I reprove and discipline so be here's a key word zealous be zealous and repent Zealous is a description of someone doing something with tremendous passion, greatness, excellence. That is what we are to do. Be zealous for God. Do not settle for mediocrity. Listen, it will try to infiltrate your life. Our, our flesh loves mediocrity. It loves ease. It loves comfort. It loves all those things. We have to crucify the flesh. And then, guys, realize that our lives are an emblem of praise and worship to bring glory to God. And what we do and how we do it results in the praise and glory of God. What I mean by that is, guys, do things with excellence. Do things with integrity. Do things with greatness. Do things in a manner worthy of the calling that you have received in Christ. So put to death mediocrity in your life. Surround yourself with men who are chasing the summit. God bless you guys. Stay gritty and, and, and stamp out the mediocrity in your life. Until next time, you guys take care and we'll see you soon on the next group.